0: Hello and welcome to The Film Angle, I'm Alex. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be mainly talking about the latest Netflix release from Andrew Dominic, Mm
1: -hmm. a
0: Marilyn Monroe kind of biopic, kind of, kind of not, some fiction, it plays around with a lot, we'll get into it, it's Blonde, (laughs) we're going to be talking about Blonde and before we start talking about Blonde, it's worth saying... There's a lot of horrible stuff happens in Blonde, and that might come up in the discussions. Mm-hmm. So, here's your warning now, guys. Uh, Blonde contains rape, suicide, abortion, child abuse, all the nasty stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: from the if get-go. you're not if you're not in a headspace for hearing about that, <laughs> don't watch Blonde, and uh, maybe maybe skip to the end uh, to the like the. The end of this episode. Uh, But there's your warning. That's us going in now. Uh, Chris, what did you think of um,
1: Blonde? Well, it's really interesting that you start off talking about Blonde in a very confused way, because that's kind of how I feel coming out of this movie. There is a lot of mixed emotions, and I think because that's crammed into a nearly 3-hour runtime, um, which is a pretty daunting task in itself, um, it is a movie that I feel, struggles under the weight of of what it's proposing to be. I think everybody, I think ourselves included, were expecting more of a biopic sort of film um, from Andrew Dominic. And it ended up being something that's more rooted in fiction than, than fact. And uh, it's really tainted how I feel about the movie. Yeah, so it's worth kind of mentioning, because the, the marketing didn't, but it's based on
0: a novel. Um, mm. And that novel is a fictionalized telling of marilyn monroe's life um and the kind of it's kind of weird that the marketing left a lot of this out because a lot of what you see on the film um mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the stuff isn't true to life um yeah. I, I mean a lot of it is kind of moments uh that have happened in, in marilyn monroe or norma Jean's life um but a lot of it is kind of made up or or, or emphasized for the kind of most intense form of kind of suffering possible
1: Mm. really and it's worth mentioning as well I think the book was also adapted into a tv film in the early 2000s if I'm if I'm not mistaken but you're you're so right it's um it's deeply rooted in fiction and it is more something that is like trying to grab the essence of who how Marilyn might have felt um as opposed to Actually, how she felt. It's more how we know her through media and through how she's been popularizing pop culture and trying to look for her through that lens. And I felt that we were going to get something a little bit more in depth. And it turned out to be I hate to, to taint my view on it very quickly, but I felt it was a very shallow way to look at the character. And I wasn't really expecting that. Knowing Andrew Dominic's work with him, you know, with the Jesse James biopic and his work with Nick Cave and those documentaries, he's managed to capture very insightful things about individuals. And um, I was surprised that this time he didn't really manage to tap into the psyche of who Marilyn was or, you know, the full picture of her anyway.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, f- I felt very much the same. I, I thought this is a very a very cold look at Marilyn Monroe and a very kind of confused uh, and muddled kind of uh, look at it or a portrayal Mm. as well. It was just, I kind of wanted to know what the director wanted to achieve because you, you mentioned about this kind of, you know, we're looking at Marilyn Monroe as an icon, but the whole film is talking about how she's always perceived as an icon, how Mm. she's always sexualized, how, how she is this thing that she isn't deep down um yeah we never see any of that we are just continuing to kind of gaze upon her in this iconog- iconographic way mm-hmm. where the film continues to sexualize her and you you kind of wonder if if uh you know the message of of what the film is going for is got lost somewhere in in the making of it i i just I really struggled to understand where the director was going, and by the end, I, I assumed, okay, we're going for feelings here. We're going for like the internal feelings. What it, what is it like inside Marilyn Monroe's head? Um, and, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't paint a very good picture. And obviously, her life ended through suicide, um, and obviously, that's not a good headspace to be in. But it is interesting that that it seems like none of her life. <laughs> At all was ever happy or or fun or or anything like that, and maybe maybe that is the case. Um, but it felt like we were just getting a a kind of brief three hour history of Marilyn Monroe's
1: worst uh, emotional moments and and traumas yeah.
0: uh, that that come to bear.
1: Yeah, it definitely was sort of one note. I wouldn't blame this necessarily on, you know, I like to focus on talking about maybe Anna De Performance, performance. Who you know, very capable actress. Really enjoy her in whatever she's in. But I, I felt like she did a really good performance here. Um, very technically, very adept. But not necessarily her fault. But the character is written in a one-dimensional way. Very interesting to pick somebody who, whose second language is English, and she probably only, I think she only learned it about ten years ago as well. So it's, it's a very. Very intelligent performance, and it's a big undertaking for somebody of her background. And I are I, I really impressed. And for the most part, I think she really captured the essence of Marilyn. I think maybe some of the words and the inflections she can hide the the Cuban dialect. Um, yeah, it, all the sli- time. it
0: slipped through occasionally,
1: <laughs> but for the most part, she does like a brilliant like
0: impression. I would say of like the mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe that we know. I, I don't yeah. think we got too much. Of the Mariana Monroe, we didn't know, or, or, or the Norma Jean. It was still that
1: very, yeah, very
0: kind of breathy, characterised version <sighs> that we know.
1: Yeah, and because the yeah. character's written that way, she's written as one note in the story. So, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't really give Darmas really much to work with. All she can really be is sad, and she's very good at the sad stuff. But you know, it doesn't really give us a full picture of the human being. And we're and we're and you know. It ends up being like we don't really have a grasp on who she is. It feels like I'm not actually watching a fully formed real person or their thoughts. I can't tell what she's motivated by or, you know, what really matters to her because she is a vehicle for sadness. Mm-hmm. And it be- it becomes almost like a parody of itself, really. Yeah, I think,
0: it, and it gets really
1: tiring by the end. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can only hammer the same point so much before you need to, you know, add something new into the frame. It's so internal and 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 heady
0: and and just sad, sad. Nobody understands me. I oh. am, am, you know, like all this trauma that's coming mm-hmm. back. Um. Yeah, Which, I think. F- I think Mark Comeau described it as like a horror film. Am I right in thinking? I've listened to a few people oh, talk about it. I think he described it as more of a horror film than mm-hmm. like a biopic or anything like that. Um, and there's definitely That's a scene near the that. end where she's uh, running around her house, um, and and it's kind of got the, that weird camera way. The uh, it almost looks like a night vision camera. Her mm-hmm. eyes look weird, and she's all veiny and horrible. That that was that was pretty horrific. Um, yeah, that kind of was a spooky image. But yeah, I just feel like it was just all about the kind of it was about just creating an emotion and it was very one note emotion and it was less about uh definitely not a story but that's fine i i i, I kind of saw the trailer and thought you know we're we, we're recreating photographs we're contextualizing them or recontextualizing them essentially there's there's no rhyme or reason we're just kind of like getting into the into the world of Marilyn Monroe but I never felt mm-hmm. fully invested I just I because of the coldness of the film I, almost, I always was uh, you know a step or two back from it because I just you know I couldn't I couldn't uh, emotionally
1: get in there um 100%. it's a
0: hard film to watch it's a hard film
1: and it's it feels almost like a a disservice to her as well Marilyn you know mm. the person because you know, I, you and I recently, uh, in preparation for Blonde, we we watched The Seven Year Itch over the weekend. Um, yeah, a, a movie where you know she, her charisma just pours off the screen. You know, and movies like, like that, and some like It Hot, where, you know, I don't get the impression that this is somebody who is a hundred percent sad all the time. You cannot conjure up such charm and enigmatic happiness on screen if you haven't at least got an ounce of that in your life. I don't like to pretend I know anything, you know, really in depth about Marilyn, just like most of the public and our public perception of her is. But I like to believe that she was way more than this one dimensional, sad victim that we see. And, and everything is, you know, grossly exaggerated. There are, there are moments in this movie that are real, but um, they are really kind of oversaturated by moments that actually did not even exist. You know, and that's kind of really confusing. That's confusing for somebody, say the average Netflix viewer. He's just going on and say, "Oh, Marilyn Monroe. I know about her. Let's watch the movie about her." And then they come out of the movie with necessarily their own ideas of of what happened, and 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 that can be kind of dangerous. Yeah, I I I think the same
0: because I, you know, obviously we watched the seven, like you said we watched Seven Year Itch in preparation, and I think then the only other Marilyn Monroe film I've seen is um something like It Hot i might Mm -hmm. i might have seen a couple others but i think we like i i know a lot about marilyn monroe because of her kind of cultural impact uh you know the 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 dead star is something that we as a society have have grasped onto
1: and sacrificed um, at the altar yeah
0: yeah this this kind of art this kind of idea of, of of a fall from grace is has kind of cemented her in this in this world when when you think of Marilyn Monroe, you think of an image, you don't think of a performance, I don't think. Mm, um, yeah. And maybe that's what this film's getting into. Obviously, it's recreating famous images. And like I said, contextualizing them within some form of way. Um, but yeah, it just... It, it, you know, we, we've all heard bits and pieces about her story, about her life. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe she was... This sad, but I, I I think there was some kind of misguided thoughts as to, you know, how Marilyn Monroe felt here from somebody who maybe didn't fully mm. appreciate her or understand her and is more of an outsider looking in as much as we are, um, rather than yeah. somebody who's enveloped in that world. Like you said, Andrew yeah. Dominic's a very good director, um, but maybe maybe there's something here that didn't didn't connect um i know he's done some interviews which have been quite kind of controversial and i do find it interesting (laughs) the way he talks about the film and the way he talks about marilyn monroe and uh i think i think he's made a he's made a different film to what we were all expecting and he's very aware of that he seems to be quite confrontational with everyone he everybody he speaks to um about it um but yeah, I think I think I think he was uh, trying to make something that that provoked a reaction, and it has. There's no doubt. Um, but I, I, yes. I, you know, I don't. <laughs> I, I finished the film yesterday, and I, I wasn't as angry as some people have gotten about the film. I was like, okay, it looks amazing. It's a really nice looking film, but I, it it was cold, and I didn't connect with it. I wasn't a huge fan. And then I, you listen to a few more things, you're like, yeah, I, you know, it it doesn't work. On a lot of levels and it doesn't work as a biopic and it doesn't work as some kind of way to internally look at uh, Marilyn Monroe's headspace. It doesn't do anything to kind of inspect her character or or kind of, you know, break through the kind of, uh, you know, break through the fourth wall and, and, you know, turn it on to us as an audience and be like, look at you watching this film aren't you disgusting you're as bad as mm. you know you're as bad as the people
1: who were kind of using her. i think at the time. it doesn't do that either and it just to to not necessarily you know um supporting the film I, I think sometimes it uses the technique where where marilyn is looking at the screen where she is kind of directly gazing at the audience uh, during kind of traumatizing moments as to say like you know you guys are just spectators And uh, you're not helping the situation. You're just as bad as you know everybody else. You've done this to me. Um, that kind of came free in some moments for me, but ultimately I find the cinematography, even though gorgeous to look at, it was like you know it was like a Vogue expose, which kind Mm. of is like a lot of the iconography that we know Marilyn for. You know, it it achieved the look that um that we all know, but. It felt at times that it was very confusing. There was a lot of screen ratio changes and uh, transitions from black and white to color that at first I felt like I had a grip on. I felt like, you know, oh, right, okay, maybe the black and white moments are a bit more symbolic of the tra- trauma-induced moments. And But then they, the trauma moments happen in color, and then we've changed from academy ratio to widescreen without any really discernible reason, uh, uh, unless it's to promote style and just you know, cinematographic flair. It it was confusing to me.
0: So the interview I read, uh, Andrew Dominic went into it and there's no rhyme or reason to the, to the uh, aspect ratio changes. Color black and white It's all to do (laughs) with the fact as what was the, the famous photograph that we are recreating in that scene. What ratio was that in? What color was that in? And that is exactly really that that's the only reason apparently according to Andrew Dominic Though, like I said he seems to be quite confrontational at the moment in his interviews <laughs> yeah uh, I mean,
1: but yeah that was his reasoning for all the different changes There's, I mean yeah. if that's so that is for like the one percent those people who are diehard and know you know every single bit of uh Marilyn imagery from film and from outside external from film so that is really you know you got to make a movie that works for everybody and and can conveys a message without having insider knowledge i think that's you know what makes a good superhero movie that's what makes a good you know and you know film in general is yeah. is I that mean, you I can jump s- in and yeah no no go ahead
0: i would say i would say i didn't bump into the aspect ratio thing too much i don't mind the change in ratios of the color it was just kind mm. of i thought it was just quite interesting well, it needs to make sense and i don't i don't hate the reasoning behind it i think it's it's strange that there's mm. there's not much more to it than that but uh it's kind of like okay that's that's kind of cool I, I don't i don't mind that i think for me my the biggest thing i hit it up against was just the coldness and then the confusing message mm. um and i think that was like the bit where it really was kind of i was like yeah something doesn't click here was a scene um i think i, I think marilyn monroe leaves an audition there's a guy by yep. the door and he's like look at the ass on her
1: yeah and then yeah.
0: you're like oh okay um you know everybody sexualizes Marilyn Monroe but then it cuts to a shot of her walking away so you get to see her bum and it's kind mm. of like oh so we're also gazing now like we're also we we're, we're also part of the problem like the fi- isn't the film supposed to be fighting against this idea but yet we're still we're still doing this and it, the film does that a lot it, it does a lot more graphically than
1: than just showing her walking away yeah well going back to my point earlier on i i do think the whole purpose of this movie apart from shouldn't we feel sad for this person is andrew dominic just really holding a mirror to us and saying hey it's all our fault and um and i think it's it's all just like a really big (laughs) it's a big circle of hate going on here in this movie i mean from the very first scene it is like I, I wasn't really prepared for the um we get introduced to Norma as as a child and, and her troubled relationship with her mother. What that is that is seated in in fact. It it is well documented that her father was absent during her whole life and uh her mother was, you know, a raging sort of depressive um men, men you know, mental health victim and uh really kind of projected that onto her daughter and her daughter spent years going to different Orphanages and everything, but you know it's very confusing from the beginning because remember the big—it's a big fire going on in LA, and I don't know if that's based on a real fire that happened or anything. But that's that fa- that scene, that event where she takes her daughter up into the hills of uh, Hollywood Hills while they're on fire, and you know it's a really, it's a really irresponsible thing that she's doing in that moment, and it's hor- horrific to watch, and it's you know it's abuse. She's hitting Norma Jean, you know, and. And that stuff, that stuff, never actually, actually happened, and it puts you off kilter from the very beginning. We don't get the movie that we kind of wanted. We don't see the full person. We don't get the movie that we feel like Marilyn deserved because she's just been a victim of this sort of material her whole life, yeah. and you know, and I, I feel that's a disservice to what Andrew was trying to achieve, because I feel like he does love Marilyn Monroe and appreciates her work, but I feel like it just came off the wrong way.
0: I think as well, it's a shame that the most deplorable traumatic horrible things in here are the things that aren't true uh and i think that's where yeah. when you find yeah. that out that's where you kind of hit a bit of a wall because you just like you you're trying to show me that this uh, you know this woman had so much going on yet yet the things that you are uh uh you know putting the most emphasis on and most trauma oh, right. and most disgusting graphic horrible imagery are the things that that don't have much factual uh you know ha- don't have the, the sources to back them up kind of thing yeah.
1: Um, yeah, the love triangle is a disgusting plot line that is really it's a you know a series of you know um blackmailing and and you know and, and manipulation going on there and then you look it up and you're like she technically was friends with them in real life and was lovers with one of them for a brief while and then that's all we can you can read up about the whole thing. Um, yeah. You know, that's the only fact that's there. And it's like, that was a horrible thing that you depicted on screen. Really, like, traumatic. Even to watch, it was pretty awkward. And
0: Which yet, one is this? There's is no this? factual
1: foundation. This in there. Is this the, the thruple that, um.
0: That yes, the, the, Gemini. the Gemini. Yeah, is. okay, gotcha. I wasn't sure because also there's the, the JFK rape scene oh
1: which i forgot about that how could i forget about that scene that was like the most
0: difficult one i'd say um there's an abortion scene which as far as we're aware Marilyn monroe didn't have any abortions famously miscarried i believe um and very much wanted kids but there's a pretty difficult abortion scene and a scene later in the film where her fetus is talking to her. Her um, like a, mm. another. We get we get she...
1: multiple scenes where we see the fetus screwing and breathing inside of her belly. I, it's I know
0: a lot of people have been quite upset by that and believe that it's Andrew Dominic's life. Uh, you know, pro-life politics going onto the film. I don't necessarily agree with that too much. I think he's trying to internalize what Marilyn Monroe was, uh, headspace was at. But again, mm. it's within the context of a fictional thing that's happened so it's like you, yeah, can't, you can read it both ways you can't really yeah. put too much emphasis on on either of it it's just it's strange i don't know uh, whether they needed the book to be able to even make the film like how much you know what like what kind of rights do you need to make a film about marilyn monroe but it's, it's kind of like could we have done this without the horrible elements which aren't hmm. real you know, like I, you know, there's yeah. a, there's a film, there's an interesting film somewhere in here with a brilliant performance from Anna de Armas, um, but it's just kind of muddled. It's down in 90 minutes as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of muddled in this fictitious, traumatic, abusive sphere of well, you mm-hmm. know, what I, what am I supposed to feel?
1: Yeah, and perhaps I would have worked on me a lot better if I had seen it in the headspace of, you know, going to. And like watching, sitting down and watching on a big screen, I, I might have been a bit more in the trance that the movie was trying to kind of put us in under a spell. Uh, but when you're watching it on Netflix, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be so many people who are not into this sort of movie that are going to be exposed to this on Netflix. See that it's in the top 10 um, Netflix movies, put it on, and I would be, surpri- I would be surprised if 90, oh, well, oh, if 5% of Netflix's viewership get through the whole movie. I, I I can't see it. Yeah, it's
0: it's a difficult one. It's a it's, it's a difficult one to home sit as well. Like even my mind was kind of going elsewhere near the end. I think oh, the yeah. end really kind I had to of, put
1: the phone on the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: The the you know the end really does kind of repeat the same points over and over again until her hmm. until her you know tragic death. Um, yeah, Can I it's, say it's, one it's, good it's,
1: point about the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. We should we should talk about what we like. Yeah. We should we should. Well, I'd like to say, you know, I was a really big fan of how they showcased Marilyn's relationship with Arthur Miller. I thought that was really well, you know, that was, I gave Marilyn a little bit of character in a way. Um, And I think Adrian Brody plays that performance so delicately, you know, he's really just seeing him mature, even as an actor, even more Is you know, he's always been great, but he's really good in this role. And him and Marilyn, as opposed to her other former lovers in the past, like Joe DiMaggio and and the Gemini, um, I feel that they were a bit more symbiotic and they kind of more relied on each other um, intellectually. Because you know, it's it's fair to say that Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean, she was notoriously a very well read um, woman. You know, she even though she played this dumb blonde on screen, she was that's why everybody's so fascinated with her because she did live a double life from what we know about her. And she was, you know, she was really well self-educated and was very soulful. Um, always liked to know about the world, and uh, yeah, and, and Arthur Miller is quite an interesting sort of, you know, caveat to that because they kind of work well with each other, and he's emotionally delicate, and she lifts him up, and he can see through the ga- the public gaze, and and it's really it gives her a little bit of you know, a bit more free dimension too. So I think more of that in the movie would have been a bit more interesting than her being a victim of her, you know, previous relationships. Yeah. And those scenes
0: in particular, the way they're shot, the colors are beautiful. Like the whole, f- the whole film, you can't oh, fault yeah. the cinematography. It looks stunning. Mm-hmm. The attention to detail on, on the costuming and the hair, everything looks I- I- incredible. And, and and I don't think anybody puts in a bad performance um, it's just the piece as a whole, I think, doesn't click. But all all the elements are there for a, for a really good film. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you you can't fault the way it looks. It's an, an incredible looking
1: film. Well, How did you feel about the N seventeen N C seventeen rating for this movie at the end? Do you feel like it really was all just blowing smoke, or do you think that that really was a justified rating that we don't we rarely see in films these days?
0: Yeah, do you know what? All right, so obviously there's some really kind of difficult to watch stuff. Um, you know, it, it does warrant the rating, um, but it's not mm. nearly as, um, I think the kind of the, the build up to, you know, this idea, the rumor mill going mad that maybe Netflix weren't happy with the rating, that it, mm. it was so extreme, so crazy, all this kind of stuff, maybe led to, to the, you know, the realisation that it wasn't, it is extreme in places, but it, it, it didn't warrant the,
1: the, yes. the kind of noise perhaps,
0: surrounding it. Did you did perhaps, you feel the same?
1: Um, I felt, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe 18 had a push up until the JFK scene. I can understand probably why that probably tipped it over the edge, because... Especially the the I won't go into details about the camera angle that we get in that scene, but um, it is something that we don't usually get in Hollywood movies. <laughs> I think is a fair is a fair thing to say, and it is so prolonged and is so shocking, and especially when it's centered around a historical figure like JFK, and we haven't really seen him in this light before. Everything towards JFK and and media, and if it's you know if it's Forrest Gump or if it's Jackie has. Generally being sympathetic and uh, heartwarming towards him, and uh, yeah, I wonder what the Kennedy family thought about that scene, or you know how much that is is rooted in truth too, because you know <laughs> it kind of almost you know centered on libel a little, a little bit, didn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent, because it's all conspiracy and and rumor really
0: about a relationship between J- JFK and Marilyn Monroe. I don't mm-hmm. think there was there's there's no solid proof. Is there? It's just kind of as far as I'm aware. Um, so yeah, then yeah, to, these things yeah so then to add a uh you know a rape scene on top of that is is kind of weird Well he's so you,
1: on the phone
0: <laughs> Yeah it's it's weird and then yeah shot in a way where if you were like a centimeter if you push the camera a centimeter down your you're borderline pornographic it's it's mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, I can't imagine the Kennedy family are happy at all about that, <laughs> but um, who knows what, uh, i I don't know how they got away with it actually it's it, it it was not what I was expecting in this movie,
0: no, no, it does go quite far, there's no doubt about it, <laughs> um, but that does remind me you mentioned you mentioned uh jackie kennedy and and uh when when you were talking then um of our messages whilst I was watching the film, and you said, um, I believe you said something along mm-hmm. the lines of like you know it's not it's not as well structured or kind of shot or, or kind of well, well done yeah. as a Pablo Lorraine film who has obviously yes. been taken some very kind of, uh, big figures. Yeah. Princess Diana's and, and, and your Jackie Kennedy's and, and making films around them in a similar fashion. Um, you almost feel like, he probably could have directed this film, but I I think we would have maybe had a more positive result at the Mm. end of
1: it. See, the difference is, and that's really the most interesting comparison is because, you know, Lorraine has been able to make these, these very kind of from the outset, controversial films, very, you know, they work because from the outset, as soon as you walk into the movie, the movie declares itself as a fantasy and it lives in that fantasy space. So you can, you can buy it for that, and you know it's a you know a borderline horror movie or thriller about the headspace of a character, and it's dreamlike in the way it's presented. And yeah. Marilyn, unfortunately, blonde starts in the way that follows the trappings of a biopic, where we're seeing you know there's elements of nightmarishness and dreamlike qualities peppered through the whole movie, hundred percent. You know, it's it's fifty percent of its DNA, but it also has the DNA of a traditional biopic. And, yeah. uh, you know, from the start, you know, you're following the pathway to of, death. you know, yeah, yeah, life to death. And, you know, it's it's that, you know, Johnny, the Johnny Cash, you know, thing that the Dewey Cox thing, you know, it, it follows it follows the pathway. But, you know, it's so blurred between the lines of fiction and reality. They just don't know where you standing, where you're standing anymore you, you become emotionally numb like the people around Marilyn you, you know you you're not into her plight because you know I'm watching a cartoon character I'm not watching a real person
0: yeah I yeah no I, I absolutely agree and I, I think that the best thing Pablo Lorraine does with his films as well is he sets them in a short period of time a short, <laughs> yes but, but you they know, get in rate. Very- you know he he makes that time period feel like it's like an influential mm-hmm. period of time on that person's yeah. life, and this is why they might be like this is because these three days, this retreat, you know, all that kind of stuff. The watching your husband get shot in front of you, uh, and and the fallout from that is is probably the best way. It makes you it makes you wonder like which which part of this film would you have stretched into the into the Pablo Lorraine film? I probably would have done the Like It Hot, Billy Wilder. Uh, you know, the kind of tensions on set there, maybe, maybe focus it around that, that, that space would have been maybe more interesting. You, you probably could have got into all the same stuff, maybe. um, You know, the kind of, you know, why, why is Marilyn Monroe breaking down at this moment? Is it because of the miscarriage? Is it because of, you know, fame's gotten fame's had its hold on her for too long, all this kind of stuff. Uh, she feels like she's, you know, she she is quite, you can tell in her performances, she is quite witty and in on the joke, but in the film it, it portrays her on the some like a hot set as feeling like she's the, you know, she is the joke and, and and she's starting to feel like maybe people are laughing at her and stuff like that.
1: So funny, you know, imagine I can't imagine what it was like watching her on screen, you know, in the 50s whenever she really blew up as a big Hollywood icon but we watch her now through a lens of we understand that she actually was very talented and put a lot of thought into her performances and we can enjoy them on the level that she she isn't the dumb blonde she's playing the dumb blonde and she does it really really well and she, her comic timing is amazing she usually you know outshines at everybody else she's sharing a scene with definitely prevalent in so, uh, the seven year itch. she definitely you know i i, I weighs her co-star in the short amount of time that she's on screen um but it's interesting I, I i wonder how people felt back in those days you know because now I, we can really see who she was as a performer and we didn't get enough of her she really was a talented person and that's what i can take away i just can't i don't feel like i come out of blonde feeling like i know anything more about her that's true um no Because I am interested in her. And by the end of the two and a half, you know, two and three quarter hours of of Blonde, I was, you know, I was disinterested. And that's the opposite I want to feel from a Marilyn Monroe movie. I want to keep delving down the rabbit hole. And and the rabbit hole wasn't there to delve down. It was just um, a series of deplorable events. And, yeah, that's how I felt about Blonde.
0: Yeah, I I feel the exact same way. I I wanted to get into that headspace more, but I, I, I couldn't. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't learn anything new about Marilyn Monroe. Um, I think I learned more about her from the seven year rich watching that uh, in, in mm. preparation for this film and being like, wow, you know, she is a so funny. Would she, would, she, you know, would she a, be as big an icon had she not died at such a young age? Um, probably not, but she still would have been one of the great movie stars. There's no doubt about it because she, she her presence on screen was, was kind of fascinating and, and, You know, watching that for the first time and I didn't love the seven year rich, I thought it was fine, but like the way she Mm -hmm. she builds her own kind of persona and character in that in that way and completely owns it. Um and is full of charisma is 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 kind of like really wonderful to watch.
1: You make such a good point. You get more character and layers to Marilyn Monroe in a movie that came out nearly seventy years ago. Pl- where she plays a part she where she plays a role you get more free dimension and more insight into who she is as a person than you do out of this two- nearly three hour movie about her and I think yeah. that's the me and come away from this
0: definitely definitely I um yeah I, I've only just realized but yeah I, I learned more about Marilyn Monroe then <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's our uh views on on Blonde, you can currently stream that on Netflix and let us know if you agree or disagree with our opinions. But we're gonna kind of segue into a different segment of the show that I've you know, reportedly a few people have told us that they've really enjoyed, so we're making a return, and we are teasing the upcoming special for uh the movies that streaming forgot, and this is a Halloween special. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we uh, we got some spooky stuff planned for you over the next couple of weeks, guys, <laughs> as, we're, as we're getting deeper to Halloween times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we are going to be doing next week another Films That Streaming Forgot, and it's going to be a Halloween mm-hmm. special. So, uh, Chris, you and I have been scouring the, the streaming sites once more to find um, a horror film. However, in our messages to each other over the past few days, as we've been looking for them, we're going to be a bit kinder to each other this time. I think is the idea. Yeah. We're not actively trying to find a bad film, like maybe we have done in the past. More Chris, more Chris than me. Uh, oh but come we are, on! We are trying to find a a horror or Halloween, uh, you know, kind of type film that mm-hmm. maybe um, has kind of gone below the radar. Not many people have heard of, but who knows? Could be a good time from premise, ratings, whatever alone.
1: Yeah, because I I don't know about you, Alex. Every year I get sick of watching the same gr- even though the Great Horror movies, I get sick of watching the same ones over and over again. You got your John Carpenters, you got the thing, you know, you got Alien, you got your nightmare on Elm Street, you got all those. But we wanted to mix it up and, you know, cover a blind spot that we probably would never unless we forced each other to watch these movies. Um well and I, I think I pick kindly for you this time. It's not Atlantis Untold, <laughs> the the movie that infamously broke um, Alex last time we did this segment of the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm glad. I was like, please, please be kind to me. I, I, yeah. I you know, there's, there's so many uh, horror is like a weird genre for me because I grew up not mm-hmm. really liking it. But I think that's because I didn't always fully understand the fascination with wanting to be scared. Um, mm-hmm but it's really kind of grown on me recently. And I think there's been some incredible horror films. Um, And I also, um, me and my partner, we love going like, like we watch a lot of horror films together anyway, but in October we, we, we go, we go to town on the horror films. We call it horror October. And uh, we watch as many kind (laughs) of like uh, different horror films as we can. Um, So this is just kind of another one that we'll be watching together. I hope.
1: So Alex, the movie I have picked for you to watch on this Halloween special is a pretty well regarded movie, actually, even though okay. probably not a lot of our listeners would have heard of it before. Um, it is really well regarded in, in the indie scene. And it is a movie that's currently streaming on Amazon prime. So fits the parameters of our rules of the show that we've underlined at the beginning. It is a movie called images from 1972. It's a British psychological horror film written and directed by Robert Altman. Uh the picture f- follows an unstable children's offer, who finds herself engulfed in apparitions and hallucinations while staying at her remote vacation home. So yes, this is uh, a bit of a, a trippy British horror movie from back in the day that is uh, I've heard good things about
0: it. Interesting. Yeah, I um yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Robert Altman is the is the director, so the long goodbye. He was in. Oh no, he was an actor in the long goodbye. Sorry, I'm looking. I'm looking up all the all the things now to have a have a yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, see what I'm getting <laughs> I don't into. But filmography. Yeah, there. that sounds really interesting, Chris. I'm I'm I'm, int- I'm very excited to. I mean, uh, he
1: did. Unfortunately, he that. did direct Popeye in 1980, and which is not a good movie. Very
0: very intrigued. Uh, shall I shall I tell you
1: about? Did I do better though or, this time?
0: Yeah, it definitely seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> all right so chris the film uh, i have chosen for you is also an amazon prime film uh so you'll oh. be happy to know uh so this is very interesting um because it's uh it's a british film as well um i believe it's set in northern ireland so there you what? go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a supernatural. Isn't every,
1: mo- hor- isn't every movie set in Northern Ireland a horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment, no comment.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, it's called Wake Wood, and it's a supernatural horror film from 2009, and it actually stars Timothy Spool and Aidan Gillen.
1: Ah, no, these are, yeah, notoriously great British theatre actor is Fantastic, yeah. We've got Littlefinger from, from Game of Thrones, and we've got. The great Dennis Ball. Well. no, I'm looking forward to that. Exactly. Um, what and is it the about?
0: The parents of a girl who was killed by a savage dog are granted the opportunity to spend three days with their deceased daughter. It's a
1: nice little It's lean like the Simpsons minutes. thing of digging up the grave, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I I mean I'm I'm intrigued by uh by the premise alone. Um it actually has an 80% rotten tomato score. Though that does uh, seem to be very heavily weighted on the critics' side. Um, but yeah, I, I found a review from The Guardian that gave it four out of five stars. So I thought, I've not heard of this, but potentially it could be a, it could be an interesting one for you to watch. So I hope I also have been kind to you this, this time round, Chris.
1: Yeah, no, definitely something me and Lauren are going to catch up on, uh, courtesy of Alex. Nice, yeah. It was just one of those things as well. It's kind of like, you know, those actors... They,
0: they wouldn't doing classically. They wouldn't, yeah. go for, they wouldn't go for something that had nothing that intrigued them.
1: Surely, um, unless this really <laughs> we'd like is, to think so. <laughs> unless this really is the one for them, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, because I can't imagine they would have got a lot of money from this. So, it would have I mean, been a again. relatively small budget, and unless they're just doing it as a part of a a, a promote pr- promote Ireland tour or something. <laughs> But no, look very much looking forward to this, Alex. So nice. um, yeah, and I think coming up for the rest of this month, we're we'll, I think we're probably looking to in future episodes do a top sort of five list for best Halloween thing movies um, or favorites. So we haven't mm-hmm. done a top five list for a while, and it's really good, you know let the, the, the listeners kind of know a little bit more about us as well and in what what makes us tick and i think the last time our top five comfort films definitely um showcased our mind set a little bit
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, yours for the better and mine probably for the worse. <laughs>
1: well, I don't know. I did I did admit that one of my favorite movies is The Parent Trap. So I don't I, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But apparently I go to sleep at night watching Portrait of a Lady on
0: fire and then, uh, you know <laughs> like everybody everybody oh, uh, called hot. me after that episode to find out if I was okay. <laughs> if you're hot water
1: bowl. <laughs> yeah. I just like to cry
0: myself to sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have a French subtitled movie about forbidden love.
0: <laughs> There's nothing better, Chris. There's nothing, nothing better. better. Wicked. so yeah, tune in next week, guys, to find out what we think about those films. That is Wake Wood for Chris, and mm-hmm. what's my what called again? Images, images, <laughs> images for myself. Uh, so yeah, very excited for that, and uh, a little bit of British cinema for us both there. Um, so yeah films that stream have got Halloween special next week baby enjoy but for now uh, you know this episode we reviewed Blonde we both weren't big fans but it's one of those films you should maybe check out just to see what all the fuss Mm. is about Yeah, Uh, I'm really interested
1: to hear what other people think about the movie too because it's really seemed to divided everybody some people are like five stars some people are one so you know tell us what side of the fence you sit on yeah, I mean, some of the best films are like that. It doesn't seem to be a lot of middle ground
0: <laughs> reviews. You, it's a it's a visceral reaction one way or the other, I mm-hmm. think, seems to be from Blunt. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what other people have to say about that as well. So guys, subscribe to us where you can. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as you are probably aware if you're listening already. Uh, like us on Instagram at The Film Angle, and tell your friends, tell your family, and enjoy. Uh, I'm Alex and I'm Chris and this has been the film angle
1: (laughs) goodbye goodbye